A mission statement is designed to help define the purpose and the goal and the mission of an organization. Let me, uh, let me just uh, share a couple, several, and see if you know who these are. This, uh, this company's mission is to be Earth's most customer-centric company where people can find and discover anything they want to buy online. Anybody know who that is? That's Amazon. Yeah, Amazon's mission statement. What about this one? Our mission is to be one of the world's leading producers and providers of entertainment and information. Using our portfolio of brands to differentiate our content, services, and consumer products, we seek to develop the most creative, innovative, and profitable entertainment experiences and related products in the world. Disney. Was that you again? Oh, man, you're rocking. Walt Disney Company, yeah. One more. Founded in 2004, our mission is to give people the power to build community and to bring the world closer together, to stay connected with friends and family, to discover what's going on in the world, to share and express what matters to them. Facebook. You guys are all quiet. You're still out in the snow, right? Either that or you're like me. Who pays attention to a mission statement, right? Uh, These guys have way too much time to look at the websites and uh, check it out. that, there you go. You're just doing, doing what your God's called you to do. Mission statements are important because they give a sense of purpose and direction for an organization, right? They help guide. This is who we are. This is what we want to be. I remember when I first heard about North Point Community Church about four years ago. I was having a conversation with, with Stu from Agora, and he told me about this church that was uh, just north of Lansing. And one of the first things that I did was I went to the website and I looked at the mission statement of the church. Um, I, I read it and I thought, ah, oh, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, and I remember that, that a few months later when, when uh, Deb and I came and we kind of snuck in on a Mother's Day to the service here, I remember John Eliff as he preached saying, this is who we are as a church. Our mission as a church is to help all people move to a life fully devo- devoted to Jesus Christ. To help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus Christ. That's a great mission for us as a church. Um, you know, it made me think when I was thinking about this whole mission statement thing, what would prompt the group of leaders here at North Point? What would prompt the leaders to craft that particular mission statement, helping all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus? What would make them do that? Certainly, it wouldn't be ego, right? Because if we accomplish the mission, the focus isn't on the leaders, the focus is on Jesus. So it's not ego. It's not power either. The, the mission is designed to help people submit to Jesus, right? Not for power to be centralized in a, in a few people within the church. And, and the mission is certainly not to be, the, the motivation is not to be a megachurch, not to just grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, because our mission says we want to help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus, not fully devoted to North Point, Right? The, the, the mission's bigger than just us here. What would, what would cause the leaders of this church to crystallize our mission in those words? I think that it's this. I wasn't here when it was first articulated, but I think I know the reason why. It's because the mission reflects the heart of God. It captures the heartbeat 
of the God that we serve. We're in the, the sixth week of a series where we're talking about what matters here at North Point. We're talking about what we call the big rocks or our majors. These are the things that we, that we will uh, lay across the tracks for, the things that we'll die for. The, these are the things that we say, you know what, this matters in a huge way. What, what have those things been? It's been first scripture. We believe the Bible is the word of God, that it is reliable, that we can count on it, that it's true, that it's accurate, and that it gives us direction. It tells us how to have a relationship with God. It tells us how to live our lives here on earth. It, it tells us how to prepare for eternity. The Bible is a big deal. God is what matters to us as well. God is, uh, we, we talked about who God is, that his nature, his character is one of, uh, it, it's eternal it's powerful. God's, God's present everywhere. He's got all the power that there is to be had. And he's this combination of justice and holiness and righteousness and compassion and mercy all mixed together. God's a, God matters to us. God's a big deal. He's one of, one of our majors. Jesus um, is one of, our, uh, uh, is one of our, our majors as well. Jesus matters to us. Jesus is God expressed in flesh. Jesus, God, God came down, was born in a person, and that was Jesus. He had skin on like us. Ultimately, he lived a sinless life. He went to the cross. He was executed for us in our place. He was the atoning sacrifice, Jesus. That's a big big deal to us. He was crucified, but he was resurrected, came back to life. He ascended into heaven. He's going he's gonna to come back. That's, that's big stuff to us. We shared the Lord's Supper to help remember um, who Jesus is, what he's done for us, the relationship we have with him. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit matters to us. He is our companion, our guide. He is God living inside us on a daily basis. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into truth, who helps us understand scripture, who helps us know how to, how to uh, um, understand what God's doing around us. The Holy Spirit is who prompts us to act um, on God's behalf here on earth. Holy Spirit matters. So the question is, what's the next piece in the puzzle, right? We've got scripture, we've got God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. What's next? It's this. What matters? People matter to God. That's our next big rock. People matter to God. And as a result of that, people matter to us as well. Uh, let me just ask, how do we know that people matter to God? When I was prepping this message, I was thinking, how is it that we know that the God that we serve is different than like the, the gods of Roman and Greek mythology? That, that were capricious. You know, they just kind of did whatever they wanted. They sat up on, on the mountain and, and, and they'd look down at mankind and say, oh man, they're a mess, and then they'd, they'd turn their back on them. How do, how do we know that that's not God? That when we're in trouble, God doesn't say, oh yeah, you're in trouble, but uh, I want to go to the lake for the weekend. Or you know, something different, that God takes his attention off us. How do we know that, that God isn't um, a vindictive God? Well, Scripture tells us that for sure, but the reason that we know that we're important to God starts at the very beginning of Scripture, a Scripture that we started with last week, Genesis 1, 26. When last week we talked about it in, in, in terms of the emphasis on who God is in, in expressed in three forms, but in Genesis 1, 26, God says, in the midst of creation, 
let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. We know that God cares about man. God cares about people because he has imprinted his image on us each. Starting in the garden with Adam, that with Adam and Eve, there, there was this, this fingerprint of God throughout their bodies. It, it was the glory of God was expressed in Adam and Eve. God, God was working and, and doing stuff, and there was a sense of eternity in Adam and Eve, of, of goodness, of the ability to choose good over evil. And, and so God cared about Adam and Eve. He put his image on them. And then ultimately Adam and Eve sinned, and God started this process of making things right. You know, it's a, it's a pretty incredible thing to be stamped with the image of someone. Back in history, if you had the image of a king or whatever, you could, you could, um, you could go on behalf of that, of that king and, uh, and do whatever you wanted if you were, if you were bearing the image of him. Uh, a number of you met my dad when he lived with us for uh, several months a couple of years ago. Um, all my life, any time that I've met friends of dad's um, or my friends met my dad, they would say, you look just like your dad. Um, it didn't hurt that dad was bald and I was bald, but, uh, you know, it, uh, there, it was more than that. I bear the image of my father. Take a look on, on screen at these two father and son pairs. Um, they're pretty incredible, I think, in terms of their likeness. The sons bear the image of their father, right? It's a cool thing to bear the image of God, but it's more than just about a big nose or brown eyes or wavy hair kind of stuff. Our DNA is filled with God. We bear his image on so many, uh, on so many levels. Our DNA defines who we are. Uh, this past week, I was reading the paper, and I was reading one of those uh, um, writer columns, you know, where the person goes in to get advice. And the, the person wrote and said um, uh, that they had done one of the DNA tests, and, and they had sent it in, they had kind of done it on a whim. And when they got the results back, um, they discovered that this, this woman discovered that her father was not her biological father. The DNA test had shown it was someone else. And this woman wrote about how her world was rocked and that she was a mess because everything that she thought was true wasn't true at all because her biological father was someone that she didn't even know. I say that to just share in this context of people, uh, God cares about people, because for many of us, we have lived with this sense of who we are. We've, we've, we've kind of bought... The, the line, we've embraced the idea that, that we're the product of some kind of evolutionary anomaly that just happened over and over and over and over again. And as a result of that, we've lived a life that says, you know, what I do doesn't really matter all that much because I'm just this chance thing that happened over and over and over again. And I hope this morning that you get that DNA test back that says, no, 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 that, that's not the case at all. You have been born with the image of God. He created you. Because all of a sudden, that changes everything about how we live and how we interact 
with the world. We bear the image of God. Um, the image that God stamped on Adam has been carried down to us. And when Adam and Eve sinned, God immediately started this process because of his great love for his creation to make things right. When Adam and Eve sinned, it separated them from God. It created this division in their relationship, this split. They, they couldn't be together in the same way because God was holy. And when Adam and Eve had sinned, it separated them from, from him. But in Genesis 3, right away, right after that sin, God says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a way to make things right. As he deals with Adam and Eve and the serpent who deceived um, Adam and Eve, he says to the serpent, hey, here's the deal. This, this woman's descendants are going to crush your head. He's going to cr- crush your head. He's going step to step on your head and stomp it. And you're going to bite his heel, but her descendant is going to make... The, the change that changes all eternity. God, at that moment in Genesis 3, verse 15, begins to say, someday there's going to be a Messiah that comes that makes everything right so that my image can be lived out on people in a fresh way, in the way that I designed from the beginning. Romans 5 and 6, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go there because this is really the heart. This is the heart truth of today's message. When we sin and we're separated from God, we know that God cares about people because of what Romans 5, verses 6 and 8 says. Paul writes with these words, he says, You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We know that God cares about people because God, from the beginning of time, started this process to redeem us, to bring us back into relationship with him. God didn't just allow Jesus to come to earth. God sent his son to die for us when we were completely unworthy of that. Before we even knew how to make anything right, God sent Jesus to come and to bridge that gap. The price of our redemption is the clearest picture possible of how much people matter to God. Let me say that again. The price of our redemption Jesus coming to earth, God giving up his son to die for us. The price of our redemption is the clearest picture possible of how much people matter to God. In order for, the, for this holy God to have an ongoing relationship with men and women who by their own choice chose to go their own way away from God, God had to not just allow his son to come, but he sent his son to come, to be despised, to be rejected to be executed in our place, to be the atoning sacrifice, to take our sin on himself. Uh, Perhaps the best known verse in all of scripture is John 3.16. Most people, even who've never been to church, whatever, can can get pretty close to quoting it because you hear it and see it. Let me me just read John 3.16 from the Amplified Version, which is a a version of the Bible that fleshes out different nuances of the meanings of the original language. This is what John 3.16 says in the Amplified Version. 
For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. That's you. That's me. That he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. God cares about people. He cares about people so much that he gave his son for us. He wants us to respond to him. He's waiting for us to respond because he cares so much about us. Second Peter chapter 3 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I love 2 Peter 3, 9 in the message. It says this, God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He's restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's given everyone space and time to change. People matter to God. Do you understand that? People matter to God. Not just some people, every person matters to God. Every person matters to God. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, as I've been reading through the Old Testament, especially the books of law, it's just very interesting, all of the laws that are there about to help exact justice, to help create justice for people. Uh, the, the laws that say, you know what, if you're in a fight and you lose your eye, the person who knocked out your eye has to lose their eye. If you're in a fight and somebody hits you and you lose a tooth, um, they need to lose a tooth too. That There needs to be equity in that, that, that sense of justice that's there. Why did God give those laws about justice? It's because people matter to God. He wanted people to be taken care of, to be um, dealt with rightly. People matter to God. Justice matters to God. 2013, Daniel Goleman, author of Emotional Intelligence, um, had an interview in the New York Times. In the New York Times, he said this, A growing body of recent research shows that people with the most social power pay scant attention to those with, such, with little such power. This tuning out has been observed, for instance, with strangers in a mere five-minute get-acquainted session where the more powerful person shows fewer signals of paying attention, like nodding or laughing. Higher-status people are also more likely to express disregard through facial expressions and are more likely to take over the conversation and interrupt or look past the other speaker. Does that make sense to, to you all? I, I, I've always thought, you know, in, in big dinner parties... Where there, where there are CEOs and people who are rich and powerful, that that's the place that it's seen most clearly. You know, the, the people who are important don't pay any attention to the people who are serving. They don't pay any attention to the people who work for the company way down here. They only pay attention to people that will help them, people that are like them, people of the same social s status. It's not just dinner parties, right? You know, you know where else you see it all the time? In school. Doesn't matter whether it's college or high school, junior high. The people who, um, who people perceive as being able to help them or to raise them up, they pay lots of attention to them. They don't pay much attention at all to the people that they think are below them. Happens at work as well. You see, you, the people that can help me get ahead, I, I'm going to spend a lot of time with. The custodian, eh, not so much. You know, the, the secretarial pool, not so much. Not so with God. 
People matter to God. Every person matters to God. Jesus modeled that every person matters to God. Think about it for a second. Jesus recognized when a woman touched him and power left him. One person in the middle of the crowd. Jesus saw a man, um, a crippled man, uh, laying beside a pool who wanted to be healed. And he talked to this man. He interacted with them. He gave him his full attention. Jesus did stuff with crowds, but he paid attention to people. Every person matters to God. Jesus, even on the cross, where was his attention? He talks to the thief beside him who's dying beside him. He talks to his mom and to John. Individual people matter to God. Soccer moms matter to God. Working moms matter to God. Kids in school matter to God. Special needs kids matter to God. People in financial trouble and people who are blessed financially matter to God. People who love their jobs and are in their sweet spot matter to God. People who struggle in their jobs and hate them matter to God. People who are unemployed matter to God. People who are close to God, who have a close relationship with him, matter to God. People who are far from God matter to him. People who are in a life group matter to God. People who aren't in a life group matter to God. Say with me, every person matters to God. Every person matters to God. One more time. Every person matters to God. There are people who will have clean water as a result of our Christmas offering. They matter to God. There are people that are being blessed by the gifts that we gave to help provide food that live in this area. They matter to God. People who are young and healthy matter to God. People who are old and dying matter to God. People with diseases matter to God. People who are healthy matter to God. People who recognize and admit their own addictions matter to God. People who are confident that they can um, do everything on their own, that they don't need God, they matter to God. The most heinous criminals matter to God. Judges and even lawyers matter to God. Kids struggling with their sexuality, trans kids matter to God. Bullies matter to God. People who are bullied matter to God. Gays matter to God. Straights matter to God. People who are promiscuous matter to God. People um, who are celibate matter to God. Intellectuals, nerds matter to God. No matter what your job, no matter what's going on in your life, you matter to God. If every person matters to God, what's that mean for us as a church? What's it, what, what, what does it mean? It means that people matter to us as well, individually, as individuals, and collectively for us as a church. It means that we're serious as a church about helping people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus, right? Right? It means that we can't just look at the masses. We have to think, how can we help all people move to a life fully devoted to Jesus? It means that while we absolutely focus on building disciples here at North Point, we also focus on reaching the people who are out there and not yet in here. Because every person 
matters to God. Because all people matter to God, it means that we, that, that we see our own backyard, mid-Michigan, North Lansing, Langsburg, St. John's, DeWitt, that, that we see this whole area as a place that we can impact people with the grace of Jesus. We've had this vision that we've talked about, impacting 50,000 people with the grace of Jesus in five years. That, that's, a, that's such a cool thing. Why is that? It's because every one of those 50,000 people matter to God. God loves them, and he's gonna, he wants to use us to touch them with the grace of Jesus. Because all people matter to God, it means as a church that we're committed to being involved in partnerships, partnerships with other churches, with other organizations, even with other businesses, so that people can know that God loves them because they matter to him. Because people matter to God, we partnered with two African-American churches this last Friday night with the Tim Tebow Foundation, with No More Sidelines, four different groups to help sponsor A Night to Shine. And it was an incredible night because each one of those guests matter to God. I got, I got to tell you, Friday night was an incredible thing. We're going to watch video in just a second. You'll see a, you'll see a little bit of it. But uh, to, to watch special needs, young adults, uh, some, some not so young adults, some, even some little guys, come down a red carpet um, into the event with people cheering for them. It just w- was such an incredible thing to see them light up and go crazy. It, w- it, was, it was so cool to look out over this banquet hall and see the guests there, kings and queens, wearing their crowns and tiaras the entire night. It was cool to see them dancing with people that, uh, that they might not dance with otherwise and to just enjoy that music it was incredibly cool to see um sparty hugging on and loving um the guests who were there that night i got i i one thing that i just have to tell you i I talked to some parents as the night ended and they said you have no idea how much it matters to our son to be here tonight how much he's looked forward to being here and how special it is for him to feel like he's the star of the event. Um, one last thing that was just incredibly cool to me, that they had door prizes that they gave away. Um, they would reach down, pull out the name of the person, and, um, and they said, you know what, you're going to get your door prize on the way out. But every kid that they pulled the name of, that kid came down. Even though they weren't getting anything, they came down. The, the, the thing that was so spectacular, though, was um, at one point they pulled the name of, uh, of a kid and, and uh, read his name, and his buddy said, I know him! You won! You won! You won! People matter to God. Take a look at what happened with A Night to Shine. Every heartland, farm town, fence post, son. Every West Coast big break queen. All your high-rise, skyline, concrete kids. Every zip code in between. Grab your first time from porch pound and heart. And gas up your Chevrolet. Cause the sun's half gone and it won't be long till we make our getaway. This is our
Is that cool or what? Because all people matter to God, it makes sense for us to not just focus on ourselves, but to focus on the people that God has created, to be thinking of others, to be thinking about what we can do as a church to reproduce ourselves, to communicate the love of Jesus, to impact people with the grace of Jesus. Because all people matter to God, it makes sense for us as a church to come alongside struggling churches and to help them maybe uh, reinvigorate the life of Jesus back into into a struggling congregation. Because all people matter to God, it makes sense for us to support missionaries like the Chanteers in, in Papua New Guinea that, that are communicating the word of God, the story of Jesus to the Yembe people that had never had a language before so that they could live eternally with him. Because, people, because all people matter to God, it makes sense for us as a church to challenge our children and our teens and our adults to be thinking about what it might look like for them to serve vocationally in the kingdom of God as ministers and pastors and missionaries because all people matter to God. Because all people matter to God, it makes sense for us to be invested in helping plant a church in a community in Ecuador where there was no church and to sponsor kids there that their lives might change, that they might change their country because all people matter to God. Because all people matter to God, it makes sense for us to not just be concerned about the world around us, the people who are really out there, but also to, to invest in our area right here. Um, we, we've communicated before that we're going to do a benevolence offering today. We're going to do that uh, just right now. If the ushers want to go ahead and come, um, this is an extra offering. I, I know some of you are going, wait a second, we already took up an offering. Yeah, we did. This is another one, and that's okay. Um, this, this is to help people in need that are right here in our area, that are part of the church, that are, that are here in our community. And um, it's a way that we can bless them. We've got a great team that helps work with people to not just provide financial uh, support for them, but to come alongside whatever their, their real need is and help them get there. Why do we do a benevolence offering? It's because all people matter to God. It's a way that we can take the resources that we have and be used by God to help them know how much God loves them. Um, if you didn't come prepared to, to do the benevolence offering today, let me just say this. If you want to mail in a check this week, just put on the bottom benevolence offering and it will go towards that purpose. If Even yet this morning, if you want to take out um, the, the app uh, or go to the website and, and do an electronic gift, there's a tab on there that you can put as well that says benevolence offering and you can just do that and, um, and, and take care of it that way. Because every person matters to God, I want to encourage you as you leave today to see with new eyes the world around you. At work, in your neighborhood, no matter where you are, to see maybe for the first time the people that you typically look past in your environment and to recognize that they matter to God and to see if God might prompt you to demonstrate his love for them in some way. 
I don't know what that is. But I know every person matters to God. And we need to be used by him to help communicate that to him. Last, last truth I want to leave you with is this. All people matter to God. That means you matter to God. Just say with me, if you would, I matter to God. Yeah. Put the emphasis on the second word right now. And let's say it again. I matter to God. And then the emphasis on the last word. I matter to God. Think about that. I matter to God. I matter to God. And if that's true, man, I want that same love and attention that I sense from him for others to know that. What's our, bi- what's our big rock? What matters? People matter to God. It drives who we are, everything that we do. It's why our mission is helping all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. Let's pray. God, I... I uh, I thank you for a very simple, basic truth, but one that's so easy for us to forget and look past. Um, God, we live in a culture, we live in a time where it's easy to think of others as disposable, as they don't matter, as they don't matter as much because they live someplace different, because they look different than we are, because they're, um, they've got a different background. Um, God, our desire, my prayer this morning is that you would help us grasp fully how much we matter to you, all of us, and that we would allow you to use us to communicate that in very tangible ways in the people in our world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together, let's sing.